And we're live. Friends from around the world, welcome to The Great Debate. Is it just me or, or is something wrong with the screen? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Is YouTube messing up? Or do we have a technical difficulty? Let's run this through. Oh, it's working. Honestly, YouTube just threw me off. Okay, well, anyways, we're live. What's up, everybody? Welcome to The Great Debate, number 33. We have a very special episode. Two friends who are going to settle their differences, we can say. Honestly, I, there's nothing more to say. Let's, let's bring them on. Let's bring these guys on. How's it going? And, uh, cool. So before we get started, before I introduce our awesome guests, just a little reminder that we're going to have an after party in Discord. After this live stream, if you haven't joined our Discord yet, uh, Jesse, can you toss a link in the chat? Uh, join our Discord. It's uh, it's a way for I won't explain too much about what it is, but pretty much the conversation continues, both a voice and text conversation. You can contribute to voice, you can contribute to text, you can ask our guest questions, and it often lasts hours, so it's always a fun time. Join us on Discord. If you're new to the channel, subscribe, like. Um, and a shout out to our Patreon visionary members. We have SOB Cannabis. That's a cannabis company in California. We have Trivium Energy PTY. That's a green energy company in Australia. Green companies love us. And a big shout out to Max Marine, our third visionary Patreon member. Without further ado, our two guests, John Elias Debis to my top left and Inondan Kehati my top right. Two friends, they go way back. We're going to start by hearing a little bit about their stories, and then we're going to get into some of the, the juicy stuff. So, um, John, let, let's, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself, how you met Inon, and we'll move from there. It's great to have you both yeah. here. My name is John Davis. I met Inon in 2015 on J-Date, I mean, uh, on uh, Facebook. We met on a we met on a group <laughs> of, uh, a chat that you know made about Temple Mount back in 2015, and we were talking about how to start an initiative, you know, to bring Palestinians and Israelis closer together, not like those fake peace organizations that we see coming up all over. You know what I mean? Hello? Awesome. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, I hear you. But speak up a little bit because it's a little bit low. It's low? A little bit low, yeah. Speak up a little bit. Let me try. Okay, yeah. I'm sorry. The, it's, my phones have been giving me issues lately, so I'm sorry about that. We're all having technical difficulties. All yeah. good. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we, we met the first time in person after that, two weeks after meeting on Facebook and the old trade station in Jerusalem. And he showed me some history in Jerusalem that I've never seen before, actually. And we started, you know, we started making different group activities and everything like that. We tried to, you know, we, well, now I've seen it's been more, it's more evolved since before. The bait, bait, habait, bait, you know. 
Yeah. Great. Thank you, John. Yeah, give the, yeah, give the mic to Elon. Sure. You know, and all you. All right. Shalom to Kulam. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. How are you doing, John? Great, great. How are you doing? Again, Adal, thank you very much for this opportunity. And uh, it's an honor again to be here. But uh, this time is very special because the very fact that I'm here, actually, you know, as a peace activist, is only because of this dude on this uh, on this on the screen. Because if I haven't met John, I don't think I would be involved in trying to connect between Israelis and Palestinians. And as John said, we met. Uh, we go way way back to. It was actually, John, the end of 2014 was the end, you know, yes. just after. Yeah, when I was going to India, that's what I remember. Yeah, I was going down to Goa. Yeah, you're right. Sorry. Yeah. So yeah. after I wrote this post in a very anti-Israeli group that promoted a lot of uh, tension between Jews and Palestinians, John uh, replied on that uh, post. And, you know, a five-minute conversation became like five hours, I think, the same day. I don't remember speaking to anyone, uh, especially a stranger, uh, you know, and creating this amazing chemistry of, of brainstorm. And, you know, I felt like I met a lost family member. I really, I really felt that. And after John, after that, as John said, we took it to activism. We, we met together. And I want uh, people that listen now to... Uh, so uh, internalized that we did a lot of brainstorms together, a lot, remember? I mean, we used to sit together, the two of us, and discussing about hours, hours and days, and speaking about religion, politics, uh, social things, culture, and basically the brainstorm that we did, and here I want to say also a shout out to my, a shout, a shout out to my brother, Nimi, who is also, uh, you know, have a role in that uh, time because I remember I had this advice for doing something that will not uh, be perceived as uh, creating attention to IDF soldiers. We wanted in the beginning to do something and maybe bring kids, Israeli and Palestinian kids, to bring flowers to the soldiers. And my brother told me, shwai, shwai, maybe it will create, you know, tension or maybe they will misinterpret that. So... Having a good word and having, you know, brainstorm with people uh, like my brother, like John, who is like my brother as well, uh, something very crucial for the work. And I think that the, what make, you know, the home, basically the home started from this meeting between myself, Israeli Jew that believes in Hashem and John, who is a Palestinian atheist who doesn't believe. but uh, Spiritual atheist. Spiritual atheist. Huh? Keyword spiritual atheist. Right. So I think that the, this brainstorm and this connection between two different, very different mindsets, but the very thing that we have from the very beginning was trust. And I trusted John, and I still do trust John, not 100%, 180%. And I hope that he feel the same way about me. Of course I do. And and, and I knew back then also when entering, you know, for the first time in my life, Palestinian areas, Area A, you know, Ramallah, refugee camps, places like that. I knew that if John is there, I'm going to be okay. So trust is very... back, bro. Still till this day. 
Beautiful. At any so, you know, and you go by Inon Don Quixote. John goes by John Elias Dabis. So that's the three word names that you both go by. And at at any point in your friendship, at any point in your friendship, did you realize that you both have three word names? And did that like unify you in any way? Or is this the first time we're realizing this? You know, it's go ahead, John. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, sorry. You know, actually, when when I started, I was just in Dan back then. And mm. that is my mother's family name. After my grandfather, Moshe Keati, that was, you know, very famous, uh, you know, uh, he was the president of the Jewish community before the creation of the state of Israel and redeemed a lot of lands for the state, for the state of Israel. So I added the name Kehati for his name. And John also added the Elias, that his father's name is a middle also name. my middle name. Did, was that, did you make that decision together? Yeah. On Facebook, Facebook, yes. Okay. On Facebook, yes. On Facebook. I, I, was, I was just making a nice little joke, and I, we, we uncovered something deep. That's at amazing. First it, at first, it was John Davis, and then I put my middle name in because it'd be like, you know, Three names, three names. It was good, and then it's on my passports, on my IDs, and everything the same already. Beautiful. So there's two contrasts that people gravitate towards. If if you look on social media, you'll see everybody angry, hating at each other, and then there's like another end of the spectrum that's very kumbaya. Everything's all good. I tend to gravitate more towards the kumbaya side, but there are real issues that we need to address. We can't pretend like everything's all right. So. Up until Kumbaya is like, uh, sorry, go ahead. No, no. Yeah. yeah. What are you saying? Kumbaya, Kumbaya side got me arrested when I was 14 in Palestine when I first moved there. So I was like, I don't like that side. Just to get a few more bucks in their donation boxes, you know, peace now is what I remember back then. So I, I, I'd love for you to share that story if, if you can. Uh, you, My first you, demonstration as a 14 year old in Palestine was with the peace now and Palestinian groups that were going to a settlement against a settlement in the north of Ramallah. I think it's called Peskot or something like that right now. It wasn't even built. Yeah, it wasn't even built back then. It was Kuwaiti land and people were against uh, it being built at the time. And uh, what happened was a group of Israeli soldiers arrested me on top of the mountain, basically. We weren't throwing stones or anything like that. And all I got was Peace Now did for me. They said, stay strong, stay strong. They took a bunch of pictures and left. Nobody stood up for me. Nobody did anything. They, I don't know. I was just, you know. Hmm. It was 1992, end of 1992, something like that at the time. So, so they, yeah. ju- they kind of just used you as like a PR stunt? Exactly. And it went to Canada, and I'm sure it went to Canada and America and wherever they get their money from. I mean, I've followed their money a lot, and so I know how it goes. And there's wow. a lot of peace groups that do it just for the money, basically. That's why when we were talking, me and Anon in the beginning, I said, I don't, really don't want you to involve too much money in this organization, you know? Make it the real thing. Make it people to people, you know? People create right. And that's, that's what I believe from the start. Right, but yet and still, we cannot do anything in a materialistic world. I mean, John was right, actually. He was very right. Because once money gets too much involved, then it becomes very corrupt. You know, and not too many people are straight. Not too many people are really, 
you know, loyal to values and, you know, to, to their own people. And I experienced that, especially from Palestinians. Not that Jews didn't uh, also try to trick me with my money, but, you know. You were smart. You got smarter after the Palestinians tried to, basically. So I remember that. But basically. So th this, you know, th this does lead us into what we said would be the first topic of conversation, which is essentially the peace industry. So, you know, and I know you've been very vocal in your dislike for what you consider to, you know, what, what you call the peace industry. John feels like they set him up to get arrested and then didn't. No, they didn't set me up to get arrested, but they let it like they let it happen. They try, they didn't even lift a finger. Basically, they didn't even try to get me off the hook. I didn't do anything. I was okay. in a peaceful demonstration, Arabs and Jews, basically. And uh, you know, I got arrested. I got beaten up on TV. I mean, it was crazy back then. You know. So yeah. So, so you also don't have a great experience with uh, at least peace now. It's fair to say. Peace now, I. Messed around with peace now. Gosh, shalom. Uh, where were they? Who else? There were a bunch of groups that I've tried out and all that, and uh, they're not as realistic as you think they are. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, there's so, not going to be a realistic ending with that, you know, basically with that type of thing. I mean, there's another one that got famous before Rabin was killed. I forgot what it was called, though. I like the guy. I mean... God rest his soul, or whatever you want to call the guy upstairs and all that. But I don't know. It, I don't even like the chords when it happened. You know. I hear that. Piece of chords. I didn't hear the. I didn't like the ninety-three piece of chords because there was a bunch of millionaires who became new millionaires who came into the country basically. So it was like it wasn't that great either. Right. So, Enon, what? You know, you have you're you're the founder. I guess both of you founded the home together, right? You're you're the founders of of um, the home, which in many ways is, you know, it aims to achieve peace on this land. What what differentiates what you do from uh, from like why why are you not the peace industry, for example? How are you different? Well, it begins. Go ahead. No, go ahead, John. Go ahead. In a few minutes, we're going to get to your areas of disagreement. So we're not going to leave this kumbaya the whole time. Uh, as we said, we need to address the real topics. But I do want to get a little bit more about the, this background. So first and foremost, uh, why are we different from the peace industry? From, from Mainly two very simple things, the path and the solution. The path that we are going through is from the bottom to the top, and especially to connect between the people that live in the heartland. Not saying that the, you know, the name, the home, Habayit, is meant to be the home of all people living in this land. Not a home that it's under a, a wall or military rule or walls or clean of Jews. That was the initial thing. And also the idea of Temple Mount, it should be a symbolic place where Bezat Hashem is going to be, the peace will start from there. And, you know, the path that we go through, which is especially to bring the hardcore people, you know, Palestinians, that, you know, I think that Palestinians and Jews that live in Judea and Samaria or the West Bank, they must be in the front row, not the people from Tel Aviv and Amal. And I'm originally from Tel Aviv. 
kind of, from Kiryaton. And we basically put an emphasis on the people that live in the, in the heart of the conflict, rather than to avoid it and say, let's divide the land into two entities. And basically, you know, that us Jews will not have access to the West Bank or Yudav Shomor, and Palestinians will not have access to the rest of what they see as Palestine, we see as Israel. Um, so that's basically where it begins. And we also, from the very first, from the very beginning, we were not there looking and searching for outside interest holders to give us money to do our activities. We just went and do what we do with people on the ground and not to be influenced from people that, uh, you know, by their donations, giving us orders and not allowing us to really think for ourselves what is good for us. Mm. So on one hand, it's, it's a grassroots movement. It's, it's stepped away from the two-state paradigm, which most of these, most in the peace industry are focused on, and you haven't been taking external money uh, as to not be influenced. And also another thing that we, we don't want to create, you know, the tension that most of the time the peace organizations do. They, right. Maybe they have good intentions, I don't know, but facts on the ground, when they are on the ground, they create much more tension and much more division and especially go, you know, put an antagonistic approach that deprives most of the people from the peace process. And we want to make, uh, to bring these communities together with dynamic of, you know, goodwill or to build some trust. I'm I'm with you both on that on that mission. Let's um let's get into some potential areas of disagreement between you two. What where John, you want to maybe start? I'm not even going to ask the question. Just well, maybe here's your opportunity to 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 share what where you think it is wrong. Way different to what it evolved to, you know. Right now, basically, it was talking about right of return. It was talking about allowing the settlements to live in the country. It was talking about a lot of different issues. And now it's totally different than what it used to be, basically. Now it's Israeli sovereignty, 100%, things like that. Before, we're talking about a president, a vice president, kind of like American system almost, you know? Right. And now it's going to be like the chaotic system that Israel is right now today. I mean, which number of elections you guys had already? I mean, I think it was three or four. Four, like four that. now, yeah. Coming I mean, more than a five sooner sooner or later, if 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 Netanyahu goes to jail, it's gonna be six or something like that. I don't know if they find We're, an adequate leader. That's this. At the beginning, it was like at the beginning, it was like uh, you know we're talking about a Palestinian vice president or an Israeli and an Israeli president, for example. In that sense, you know, and we're talking about freedom of return, uh, right of return for Palestinians. Uh, in waves, according to uh, in accordance to the right of return of Jews, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So it was like in that kind of numbers. So we're not talking about a hundred percent coming in, bringing in waves of Palestinians. No, we're talking about bringing in wave, uh, Palestinians and the amount that Jews come into the country. So if last year was twenty thousand Jews came into the country, the uh, last year would have brought in twenty thousand Palestinians. And we wanted to I mean, start off that still sounds like a pretty solid proposal. 
that's what we were talking about at the beginning. Oh, I think it's gone now because you know I don't know. Is it it's gone right right now? No, no, no. Is it what? Is the so idea the, gone over the right of the, return? The, the, propo the proposal to allow uh, people that are Palestinians is, huh? The right of return is basically defined differently. I mean, if we are, I mean, now especially you know regarding steps, I believe personally that we need to speak about inner right of return. You know, like uh, Palestinians from Bethlehem will be able to live in Tel Aviv, Jerusalem, Haifa. Well, that's so, a, that's a, oh, just a second, just a second, one second. All right, yeah. I believe in steps. And I believe that first we need to speak about what is rational here in the land. And then, you know, when the dynamics is going to change, we can speak about the outside. I'm personally not against Palestinians from, especially like we spoke back then, for real peace with Israeli sovereignty, that uh, Palestinians from Syria and Lebanon, for example, from the refugee camps, will come back gradually, not in a number that's going to be a threat. By the way, this whole idea has to come to, you know, a general agreement from both sides. But I think that if we want to speak rationally about now to change the dynamics, it's not going to be wise to speak about the right of return of Palestinians from the outside. I mean, in order to do that, we're talking about this in order for Palestinians to accept the settlements. We start right. with the number of Palestinian, uh, Palestinians returning in the, as the number of settlers there are in the West Bank, basically. Right. So, no, I, I mean, that's something, yeah, I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's what we started off with, basically. Right, right but, yeah, but, you know, the, the whole idea also of the home is evolution. And, you know, if most of the people will support this idea, I will accept it, definitely. Yeah, but, I know, but evolution to which side? Now, before we were talking to both, both, the more both, the uh, more Palestinians and uh, Jews. Now, the most of the people that are talking in the home, the majority of the people in the home are Israeli, or Israeli look, Jewish. I, I really, I really think that if the system is going to be Israeli sovereignty, that will ensure that the state of Israel will continue to be Jewish. Definitely, why would the Palestinians agree to it being? Um, Jewish state, for example, not uh, like for the Jews, it'd be a Jewish state for the Palestinians, whether they're Christian or Muslim, being for all, like kind of like the United States, the secularism that prevails over there. You know what I, I mean? Explain. I will explain. This is exactly where we different, differ right now, uh, because, because I believe that uh, this land from the river to the sea is Jewish, and the only place is going to be Jewish state. And I don't think that I have the right to give up on what my ancestors were praying for. But I'm not secluding Palestinians from this. I think that Palestinians should be as equals to Jews with the same rights and duties. But in a Jewish state... We have, the, same, we have the duty to close on Shabbat, for example. Just a second. Yeah, just go ahead. I'm sorry. Real quick, I know this is unrelated, but John, is it possible you could turn to the light? Because I think we'll see you better. Right now, the light is like right on your ear. And, uh, I, want people, I want people to see your beautiful face. Yeah, that, that's better. And, and that's on me for not telling you earlier. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah, I apologize. Anyways, you know, go ahead. Anyways, I'm talking about the Jewish state. It's going to be inclusive for non-Jews to be equal as, you know, having the same human rights, equal residence, and having political opportunities that are going to be um, uh, with the condition to do their duty to the system for both Jews and non-Jews. And I think that the state also has to include rules and 
principles and values from the Torah. And in a way, also, they're going to be including non-Jews again. But I can't see something like this happen as long as, you know, as long as Israel wants to be more a Western model that is not being relied on deep Jewish values, it simply won't be. And I also think that, you know, um, again, regarding justice, I mean, how many Arab states are there? How many Christian states are there? There's going to be one Jewish state. This is something There's that my wife two Jewish states, no. Huh? One established by Stalin somewhere near, what's it called, near uh, Siberia or something like that. Yeah, but, but, you know, but, but, you know, in the end of the day, this idea must have support. And I believe that those that must sit in the front line with the Palestinians are the settlers, the Jews that live in the West Bank, the Jews that live in Yudav Shomor. If they will be in favor of any idea with the Palestinians, this thing will succeed. If not, it will not succeed. And again, I'm talking also about cantonization. I'm talking about also that Bethlehem, Ramallah, Nablus, Jenin will be emirates or cantons or some kind of uh, autonomy that's going to be under Israel without borders, without checkpoints. And the people there, as long as Jews also can live there, will be able to live in Tel Aviv, Jerusalem, and Haifa. And, you know, if there's going to be another solution that's going to gain 70% or more or general agreement from both sides, who am I to resist? You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's about justice. And if we will not speak about also the justice of the Jewish people, there's not going to be justice. I say, why not justice of all people? Why does it have to be just Jewish people? Because also, according to people's beliefs, I don't believe in their beliefs, but according to people's beliefs, Judaism evolved to Christianity, and Christianity evolved into, for God's sake, Jesus Christ was a Jew. Come on, what are you talking about? You know what I mean? And then they went to Muhammad, basically. So it's like, it's an evolution as well, you know, if you're talking about evolution. And a lot of those people that are Muslims and Christians and whatever, were Jewish before that. I'm not saying all of them, but there was a large amount of them that were originally in the backspace Jews. By the way, sorry that I cut you now, but uh, you know, many Palestinians also have Jewish roots. And yeah, that's what I'm saying. Can be yes. considered to be part of Amsterdam. And, uh, I don't know what about Do you. you so, but, but just a second, Adat. But uh, you, your family also have, is it that they have Jewish roots from Yemen or something like that? My father's family, yes, they were from Yemen, basically. Interesting. Like your grandpa. So, you know, I'm saying that if we will find a way to unite under the state of Israel, because I don't think that the Palestinian state also, as the current Palestinian state, going to be democratic in such a way that, you know, now it doesn't I got you on this one, but the and way I see it, you know, the way I see it, the way I see it, the way I see it, this leadership is not a leadership in Palestine. It's not a leadership at all. And also in Israel, I can see it's not a, you know, smooth and steady government over there as well. So you cannot really compare. I mean, it's probably a bit more democratic than the Palestinian government. Just a little bit. So Just a little bit. Yeah, so r- real quick. You know, you know, and you, you you mentioned seventy percent of both people agreeing to a solution. At least, 
Yeah, I'd say that's probably enough. John, do you think that there's any situation where 70% of Palestinians would agree to live in the state of Israel? I believe so. Not under the state of Israel alone, but I mean, I believe that there would be, I mean, 70% of the people, more than 70% of the people want peace. You know, I understand that. They want to finish all this conflict in the, from the get-go. So how would that speak to Palestinian uh, national aspirations and identity? Um, That's what I said. Yeah, but that's what I was saying, not the system that's saying 100% Israel or 100% Palestine. I don't believe in that 100% Israel, 100% Palestine control. I believe a shared control of the land, personally. That's what I think. So that the love of the land is already there from both sides. So why can't both control the same? So, you know, basically. so you don't think that 70% would accept an Israeli identity devoid of a Palestinian one? Um, like, what, 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 can you see a situation where 70% of Palestinians say, you know what, we'll become Israelis? I ain't going to fight it. I'm not going to fight it. What you got missing, because when there's going to be federal system, it's going to be adapted to the, you know, to the culture of people here. It's going to be both under Israel, but also going to preserve the Palestinian identity. You're talking about a Jewish state, and Jewish laws, and laws coming from the Torah. What makes that better than an Islamic law or a Christian law country or something like that from books that are thousands of years old? And you want to bring those laws back to the 20th century, you know what I mean? Or the 21st century. Don't take it too too hardcore. I'm talking about translating values. It's also going to be adopted that people like myself who is secular, you know, I don't keep Shabbat yet, and I'm not uh, fasting in Yom Kippur. You know how I like to eat, right? So we you're need talking to talk about a turn. You're talking about a turning point in the the Knesset type number of people that will change the vote and all that. That's like a small, minute group. Uh- That'll make the turn of who's going to be prime minister. That's the group of people that want the Shabbat every Saturday. It's not seventy percent of Israel. Not that wants Israel. Not like you, Adar. You like you, Adar. Would you like Shabbat to close all? I mean, all the stores in Israel to be closed as a Jew. In the Canton system, no, I, differently. That's what you're missing. In the Canton system, each and every region, like Tel Aviv, can keep uh, you know close uh, stores open. Definitely in. There would be a lot of local autonomy, but I kind of want to go back to the the identity issue because I think it's important. And I I think we didn't quite cover enough ground there Um, because, you know, you know, one of the critiques I have heard of a federation in Israel having full control is that Palestinians just wouldn't agree to be Israelis. They just wouldn't agree to it. So they want to be Palestinians. Exactly. Right. So so I, I guess, you know, and how do you see that working how do you see palestinians accepting to live under israel and how could they still preserve their palestinian uh, identity first and foremost israel must make the initial move the power is in the hands of israel and israel should be generous as well as take responsibility because it has the power i believe also also it has the responsibility to take basically control over the land but not to do it in a way that is, you know, the Palestinian will feel inferior. I'm talking about to be part of the system. I'm talking to be, you know, to have the same human rights as me. Palestinians should have the same human rights and the same political opportunities. Like it is, actually, it's not like it is now in Israel. Because also Haredim or 
leftists or even hilltop youth that go against the army, I don't believe the people that uh, don't do their duties to the system that they live in should have the freedom to choose and to be elected to the political system. That's my belief. So I think that once we're going to have the same statuses and we're going to be in a situation that, look, now Palestinians basically are deprived from the rest of the land. And also us Jews, we cannot live in Bethlehem. If you can find me a system that me as a Jew or any other Jew, especially with the kippah and tzitzit, can be with their identity in Bethlehem and Ramallah and Nablus, you got the, the golden path. But uh, I think the Palestinians, one second. Question. When you were in Ramallah, when you were in Ramallah, did you or did not state you are Zionist? Hold on a second. One second, because you're saying we can't. Okay, go ahead. But I think, you know, that as John said before, most Palestinians that we don't know what they want because they cannot speak, we don't have freedom of speech and freedom of choice, maybe most of them would like this thing. We need to put it into clarity. We need to clarify that. And until there's not going to be at least minimum human rights, a minimum democracy in the Palestinian areas, we will not know either way. Go ahead, John. No, I'm saying you were able to be in Ramallah. You were able, uh, against your own laws, basically, you were allowed to be in Ramallah. Right. Basically. But do you think that I could be there with the kippah and speak in Hebrew in the street? I've, you or were speaking it? Hebrew in Ramallah. You did, say, you did say you're a Zionist Israeli, did you not? Right, I did. You did, come on. Hold but, on. Well, you were with me, it, of course. It, it's it's very different that, you know, if, uh, let's say, someone like our friend Yehuda Cohen, with his kippah mm -hmm. and his beard. If we will go there I've and seen, speak, I've uh, seen videos of him in the French I've seen videos of him in the French school speaking in English, of course, but he had the kippah on and everything. You know that it's not safe, man. You know that it's not safe. It's not let's say I don't recommend any Jew to go to any of you know the Palestinian areas speaking fluently Hebrew without having a Palestinian there to be with them. Okay. I want to go to Ramallah tomorrow. Do you think, do you think Arabs feel safe in Tel Aviv or in Jerusalem? Much more than in Arabic. It's not really, not really. They're, they're ready to get arrested. Basically, that's what I know for a fact for the people with the green IDs and everything like that. Like the no, one I have. No, I have look, look, John, but let's be real. Come on. And you know that, you know, you know, I want, look, I want us to have the same set of laws, to live under the same, you know, roof. What's if you know if uh, I, if I will not have my well being? If you will not have your well being, I will not have my well being. Okay, mm -hmm. but you know very well, man. You know very well that Arabs or Palestinians, Christians, non-Jews live in Tel Aviv and in Jerusalem, and they can practice. Arab Israelis. Wait a second. Wait a second. And you have mosques in Tel Aviv and in Jerusalem. Do you have one synagogue that you have Jews going to pray in Bethlehem, Ramallah? When that will happen, I will know what change happens, okay? Well, and I mean, Jews go with their own identity speaking Hebrew in these areas. Until that will not happen, there's not going to be advancement, period. But I mean, yeah, you have one in Ramallah, synagogue. Beth Eth, there's one in Ramallah. It's not the same, man. It's in Ramallah. 
Bet El Ramallah, it's the same meaning in Aramaic, basically. It's the same name, exactly, both of them. It's not the same. I mean, if I cannot go to, or let's say not me, but someone with kippah and tzitzit cannot go freely without having to coordinate or have someone to, to keep their back, you know, but a friend like I had, and still have, Baruch Hashem, Alhamdulillah, just to go freely and to, to be just part of the, the, the life over there, there's not going to be peace. You know that. Let me ask you a question. Okay. No, it's more possible in Israel rather than now in the, the PA. I remember we had I remember we had demonstrations by people in Sitsik, the curly hair thing people. They came to Ramallah for a demonstration. It's not the same. I, I you know Natori Karta. Ada, remember we went to Jericho? Remember that experience? Yeah, we had to get escorted out by uh by the what? Palestinian uh, police. People were in Jericho, right? I, look, I, I, I think it's going to be, I, I think the history, you know, of, of terrorism against Israelis is going to, and again, there's trust issues on both sides, but I'm speaking specifically about how Israelis feel. It's going to be hard to convince Israelis that, that they can feel safe in certain areas in the West Bank. Well, that's why I wasn't disagreeing with Inon about the IDF being in control in that sense. The army, yeah. the Israeli army, should be in control so that the Israeli Jews can feel safe. That was my belief, and we had an agreement with that, me and Enon, about that. So right. what's the problem? You know, now he wants to add it up to the government to be different now. Yeah, so so I, I guess the question is, the the fear is legitimate. You know, and how is this necessarily solved in, in a federation-like solution where everything is, is, is Israel? Because it, it, it doesn't seem like this is by default solved. Again, you guys don't digest it. It's not that everything is Israel. Palestinians have to say, I'm Israeli. It can be Palestinian with an Israeli ID. It can say, this is Palestine from the river to the sea. The same equal human rights. The IDF is not going to be inside the West Bank or Yudav Shomun. It's going to be outside from the river to the sea. But it's going to be let's say either Israeli police or Palestinian police is going to be under the state of Israel. And also Palestinians will be able to vote for the Knesset. And the law and order is going to be eventually in the Knesset. But Palestinians will be also part of the Knesset. You know what I mean? Or some kind of model that is, that is going to maintain also the culture of the people that live in the regional area. I cannot change and force a Palestinian that lives in Bethlehem to be culturally something that I am. He has to maintain his unique identity. And by the way, when I arrive to this, when I approach to peace, I don't approach from the place of equality. I don't believe in equality. I believe in uniqueness. I believe in differences. I do believe in equality under the law, definitely. But there's also duties to do in order to get your rights. Same to Jews and Palestinians. That's my belief. And in the beginning with John, you know, it's very, very interesting. In the beginning with John, I did have a very different mindset from what I have now because I allowed myself to be an open page and to learn and especially to understand what the Palestinian people feel and need and what is their aspirations. And back then when I, when I saw or felt that most Palestinians don't view the West Bank as Palestine, but the whole land, as Palestine, and then I saw that the Jewish communities, the settlers, feel the same about Israel, 
because they view all of Israel as Israel from the river to the sea. That's when I had my, you know, the coin going down my head and aha, aha moment. Because only these two communities that view the same whole thing as their home, only they can bring eventually peace. That's my belief. And another thing that I want to, to add this uh, point is that in the beginning, John and me, we thought about something like something between a federation and confederation. You know, I allowed myself to learn. I allowed myself to have new ideas, to test them, to see what works, what doesn't work. And now I definitely think differently, but not too differently. Because I do believe in unity, but not in uniformity. That's something that I didn't really understand then. Because I understand that we do need to be unified. Because peace is unity. Peace is not separation or division. But peace also cannot arrive from that John will be like me and I will be like John. It's impossible. We are different. We need to find harmony between the different parts of the puzzle. Some of them can be in the frame and some of them can be in the middle or the right a little bit or the left. But you can't put the middle in the frame. Otherwise, you will not have a complete picture. This is the idea about peace. So, you know, regardless of what's going to be the solution, if we will not bring all the pieces of the puzzle to the same place, we will not be able to combine the full picture, basically. Like you can say, I agree with you on a lot of points, but that whole, that last part was the, the part that it was just Israeli sovereignty, this and that, that's it. It's like it closes the door to a lot of people. And I mean, I look at a lot of Palestinians who look at the same way with me about this, basically. That's the whole thing. I, mean. I hear you. It's very legitimate. But again, you know, sorry to cut you, but, you know, again, we cannot bring Palestinians to speak freely anyway. Anyway, you know, because we can only bring Palestinians that have, you know, the... the the PA give them permission to speak, and it, it doesn't make sense. Not to me. You know, is, is your belief that as long as you know we we create uh, equality under the law and offer the Palestinians a good deal, then they'll be okay living under Israel Israeli sovereignty? Yes, basically. But I think you know, again, I think that also you need Israelis. That most of them, most of us, are center right, and more and more. If you will not get the majority of them to initiate the process, you know, in the beginning, you know, with John, I was actually believing that Palestinians will go for this idea, even of confederation. Okay, you have now movements like two states, one homeland that speak about confederation with the PA in public. Where did this solution went eventually? Failure. Nothing came out of it. Why? Because it doesn't speak to most Israelis. And I think also that most Palestinians are not involved in the process. So anyway, you know, regarding the path, which is much more important than the solution, if we will not, you know, go step by step and bring the people, you know, in the Palestinian side, you can, you can really speak in public with people that have their permission from, from the PA, from the corrupt PA, from the non-democratic PA. What does it uh, give us? It doesn't give us the well, vote. We're having elections in May, so it's cool. Uh, we'll see in May about that, you know. If Let's hope. Election, I'm going to salute, but there's not going to be an election, not from what I believe. So it, it seems like one fundamental difference is 
is how Palestinians would react to Enon's proposal. Enon, you're under the impression that most Palestinians would be okay living under full Israeli sovereignty. John, you believe that's not the case, right? Well, let's put it to the test. I mean, how many Palestinians have you seen that will agree to it outside from your group, basically? This is a big question. How many Palestinians in your group agree to it, basically? Most of them. How many Although I, 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 I will come out and say the group is not a fair representation because those are people who have already agreed to join a group that talks about full Israeli sovereignty, right? So we need to talk about the general populace. Not all, not all the Palestinians in the home support it. I, I say it again and again and again. Not all Palestinians think the same in the home. Not all Jews in the home think the same. But, you know, we definitely have Palestinians that do want to be part of Israel. And we don't know the numbers because we cannot clarify since there's no freedom of speech in the Palestinian areas. And you can always than... do a census and ask that question in that sense, basically. You can go around and write. Have you, yeah, have you, you considered doing polling on that? Yeah. You can poll in different Palestinian groups. I can do it. I can do whatever and see what they say. Different Ramallah group, Nabis group, this group, that group. I can give me whatever in Arabic, whatever you have in Arabic. And I'll, I'll start. I can yeah. That poll. Yeah, I know. And if the numbers are good, well, I might even join in with you if the numbers are good. <laughs> I'm telling you, I want also what the people want. Yeah, yeah, like what I want. Put it to the test. It's about putting ideas to the test. And I'm also not saying that the idea that I support is going to be the only solution. I'm not. Exactly. I'm not saying that the solution is I mean, my hands only. I mean, what I've looked and I've lived there like for many, I mean, I've lived there for years in Palestine and in Israel. I've been around Israel and I've been around Palestine. And I've seen a lot of different initiatives thrown over from the Geneva Convention to the Peace Now to the Goshenov to Albeit that we started. And uh, everything is like there's no solution because the governments love the status quo on both sides. It's not just the Palestinian side. You understand that, right? But we got though, a very important factor to our advantage. We know what doesn't work, which is not less important than knowing what could work. We know that the two-state solution will not work. Doesn't work. It won't work. Because they're like, you know, they're already... Palestinians can agree about this one. Yeah, of course. Two-state solution is the Palestinian authorities already employed by Israel in the end, you know. So it's okay. It's, it's Israel anyway, you know that. But... Do you, so here, here we have an agreement that the two-state solution won't work. Do, do we agree on the reasons why it won't work? You know, and you seem to think it won't work more from like an ideological perspective that all too many people want the land to remain whole? Not only that. You think also because the settlements now create a barrier to the two-state solution? Like what, what's... No, I think, I think that uh, it's based on the premise that is not fitting with the identity of the people living in the land. And it basically deprives both Jews and Palestinians our justice. I mean, I will not feel justice as a Jew if I'm not, if I'm not going to have any accessibility or the right to live in Bethlehem, Ramallah, Nablus, Jenin, and especially Hebron. And I don't think that the Palestinians will feel the same if we will not have the ability you know, to do the same in Tel Aviv, Yerushalayim, and, uh, and Haifa. 
Okay, so basically a lose-lose situation. Also in a, a model that is based on the international community and outsiders and foreigners that think that they know for us better than what we know for ourselves. And, and again, not only because I'm coming from a very idealistic and, you know, that, you know, me as a Jew, I'm here only because my forefathers were committed to these specific areas, not to Tel Aviv and Kiratono where I was born, but they were committed to Bethlehem, Yerushalayim, Shechem, Hebron, Bethlehem, Beitel, Ofra, Shiloh, Jenny. It's not in my right to give up on, on this. No way, no how. Okay, so that's where I'm coming from, including also the Temple Mount, Halabai, definitely. But again, um, we need to bring people of faith, and this is something that is very lacking in the peace industry, that bringing people with too much of a Western humanistic approach without the people who have a religious belief, believers, you know, to this process, and most of the people in this land are believers, people that believe in Hashem, or Allah, if you will not consider this factor, you will not get to the solution. I don't know. I think it's getting less on both sides, actually. The people who believe. You? What, what's that, John? People who believe in it, like, very strictly on both sides is getting less. That's why I used to get upset when they used to close the whole city. It's an action of the few. But it's affecting the whole, the whole lot, uh, you know, collective punishment and all that. So we used to get in Ramallah and, and different cities in the West Bank. You know, the Hamas isn't that great. I mean, even the PA went to war with Hamas. You know what I mean? The hardcore extremists and all that. I mean, in Ramallah, you see many Muslims and Christians in bars and together. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, now, this okay. It could be illegal because of some ideological reasons and all that because of religion and some other areas. But you still find them going to Bethlehem, for example, or they go to Ramallah to drink as, as if the city bans it. Like even in Texas, we used to have wet areas and dry areas and things like that. And these are Christians that know all the thing. But still, but you, know, you know. John, we're losing your John, we're losing your face. Yeah. Sorry. We're losing you, man. Uh, again, the battery. John, you know, John looks like a saint right now. See what he has, the aura above his it's head. Yeah, I want to show you how holy we Palestinians are. I'm, a, I'm an angel. <laughs> I guess we could just call him St. John or something. St. John, yeah. Anyways, look, I, I do want to touch on one more quick topic, and then we're going to move it to the after party. Maybe we'll also take a few uh, audience questions. So uh, chat, if okay. you have any questions, now's the time to ask. Um. The Discord, Jesse, please drop the link. We're going to have the after party. The conversation will continue, and everybody will be able to contribute. You can ask our guest questions with your own voice or in text. We go we go wild in the Discord. It's a fun time. We have chats around the clock, day after day. If you haven't liked this video or downliked it, do do one or the other. Express yourselves. Express yourselves, crew. Anyways, um, and and if you're new to this channel, subscribe. Show some love. We love you. Love us back. Anyways, so the, the final topic before we, we get into, I guess we'll take two questions, but I want to hear from both of you. What is one thing that we can do today to start progressing the peace process? 
Dis- despite whatever differences we have in opinion on, on what that looks like, what, what can we do today? John. Well, it's corona time. Yeah, and, you know, exactly today, today, I mean, it's not going to be able to work. But, I mean, what we used to do were things that we're working on it, like going out together. I like the cleaning and the hate, which was Inon's idea back then, cleaning garbage in Jerusalem, a city that both seemed uh, – it seemed to both relatively holy and all that. They used to clean it together. Remember, ho, ho, ho. I used to be the garbage truck. Yeah, exactly. Throw that in my face, but it was good. Anyway, and, uh, you know, to have more meetings with both sides, basically, to have more people, you know, in, in touch with each other. You know, that's the only way to take more contact. You know, yeah, more contact. And you have to have more sides. It's not just left versus with Palestinians. We also need the right involved in these contacts as well which we were doing a, little, a bit of at the time. Right. But uh, adding to what John said, the contact, the human connection, and, you know, bringing people that's supposed to be enemies, you know, that supposedly don't recognize the other to the same table, especially people that think the, or view the other as enemy. That's where the magic happened. But it will not happen without any political outline. So... I think that maybe if there's going to be a Palestinian grassroots movement that's going to work in parallel with more Israeli and Palestinian movements with more or less the same guidelines, that we will not agree about everything. I mean, I don't, I don't have a problem with having a, let's say, Palestinian organization that speak about Palestinian sovereignty all over the land with the same, let's say, more or less outlines. I would, yeah. I would love to try and, and meet and, and see how we can work together. Um, but I think, again, if we're not going to have a unifying vision, we will not get to any solution because the, otherwise it's going to be kumbaya. And definitely we need to bring people more together in Yudav Shomun rather than what many peace organizations do, which create more tension. And also not create antagonism towards you know, the idea of peace that, you know, most of the peace organizations now in Israel, unfortunately, do, even though they will not admit that. So I think, you know, the idea is to see the peace movements, learn from them, but to do the opposite, to do the other way around. That's the only way. That's the only way. And, of course, drink a lot of coffee. Coffee. Everything. Non-kosher wine, non-kosher wine. <laughs> anyway, so we're, we're going to... We have a discussion. You know, John and me don't agree about everything. But we do agree that we our destiny is to live here together. I mean, if we will find, you know, from these, these places of differences to reach, and we know that we want the best for each other, then there's going to be Be'ezrat Hashem Shalom. Real peace, not the... There's one funny note that I want to close with, you know, only one thing. There was a bet yes, between sir. me and Anon. There was a bet between me and Anon in his house a few years pa- back, 2015. I bet him that I can find a bacon burger in Jerusalem. He bet me that I couldn't, and I had it delivered to the house, so he had to buy it for me from Iowa's. So, I mean, <laughs> shout out to Iowa's. <laughs> they do burger. have they do have bacon bacon cheeseburgers yeah. in Jerusalem. Yeah. I know that for a fact. Yeah, yeah. I used to um, know it. I don't make it anymore. So, r- real quick, as for questions, um, I-, I saw one butter 
I hope I pronounced that correctly, Bader. If not, you could uh, correct me uh, later. But he asked if the if Bader, yeah, he asked if the Noam Chomsky Rudy Rashman debate is still on. Yes, it is. It's this coming Monday. That's going to be an exciting one. Two powerhouses, D- different, di- definitely different types of people. But that that's a very exciting one. Um, and I saw a question. I, I, this isn't directed at anybody, but it's actually interesting. Somebody asked, "Is Israel an ethno state?" I'm going to give actually a very neutral response. I mean, the definition of an ethno-state is a sovereign state of which citizenship is restricted to members of a particular racial or ethnic group. By definition, Israel is an ethno-state. Do what you want with that information, but it's not really, it's not deniable. Israel, as it functions today, is an ethno-state. You could say that's great. You love it. It's important, especially for us Jewish people to remain safe. Like, there's, there's many lines of justification for a Jewish ethno state. I hear that, but um, by definition, it is. So there, there's no point in denying what it is. Um, yeah, Arab Israelis that are citizens of Israel. Right. That that's true. But citizenship is generally restricted to Jews. Jews could come from all over the world and become citizens. No other a- ethnic group can. Right. So what about an Arab you, you, married you, you, to a Jew, like. What about an Arab married to a Jew? Can he become a citizen of Israel? Coming from some anyway. That's an interesting question. I, I, reunion. I don't know exactly when it's uh, Jews and uh, non-Jews, you know, married, but I know that there's family reunions between uh, Muslim and Christian families. I don't know exactly the numbers or how it goes, but definitely there is, you know. I, you know, you know, I, I could hear the case that it's an ethno-state light because we do have twenty uh, percent of the population actually aren't Jewish, right? But um, new citizenship is granted generally to, to Jews. So, yeah. Regarding such questions, I mean, I'm not claiming to have the ultimate solution. And I don't even uh, good in specific topics. Some people that are much better than me. You know, for example, one outstanding name is Yehuda Cohen that can speak about things that I don't know how to explain like him. Or people like uh, Rudy Rushman, who's doing a great job. And someone that uh, his future is so ahead of him, and so much potential with this uh, dude, and Ishai Fleischer and Tal Hartov, and you know many many other people from the home, and not only from the home, that uh, should be part of this process, and they have uh, their own unique perspective that is very necessary for this, you know, group thinking. People also like Dr. Kedal that uh, me and John met. Um, I'm actually interviewing him at the end of the month. Uh, okay. uh, first of all, th- th- thank you to the community for recommending I speak to him, and thank you, Nun, for putting me in touch with him. Yeah, I'm, I'm interviewing Mordechai Kedar. It's going to be an interesting one. Um, I want to say a, a very important thing again, say a lot of important things, but you know, people that have accessibility to the process, people like Kedar that is considered to be radical for some people. But the very fact that, you know, remember, John. Both him and Yehuda Glick, you know, people that consider to be extremists from the right, instantly they met us without any conditions, without, and you know, they didn't agree with everything that we say, and we didn't agree with everything they say, but they opened their path, you know, because, and, and this is something that I appreciate a lot for, you know, people from their profile, especially someone like Yehuda Glick, that it was like, John, remember we met him like two or three months after the attempt on his yeah. life? Assassination attempt, yeah. Yeah. And we met him in Hebron Street, I think, in Jerusalem, right. in that cafe. 
Actually, it was uh, close by. It was in ne- next to the banking center. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. The, uh, a guy named Muataz Hijazi tried to attempt uh, his life. Yuda Hashem is safe. But again, you know, people that have this passion to open the door, and unlike a lot of people that I know, and I tried to contact, and they were like, nah, you know, you're not uh, powerful, you're not uh, rich, you're not known. So, you know, I have a lot of respect to these kind of people. And, you know, the, the issue also of Temple Mount that you that look uh, symbolizes, at least for me, you know, we also began the idea of the home, Habayit, from the idea of Halabayit, the Temple Mount. That that's actually the end game, not even the political solution, because, you know, we visioned that, you know, when there's going to be a peace ceremony, a peace stance. It'll be, there. Temple huh? Mount. It'll be on the Temple Mount. Right. So, so if people will, will, you know, accept this idea that, you know, we're going to celebrate or initiate the peace between, between Jews and Palestinians, on Temple Mount or Haram Sharif, mm-hmm. unlike it was in the Oslo Accords, the, the, the peace ceremony was actually 10,000 kilometers away on the White House, then I think you know, the, the rest of the stages and the steps will be easier to agree on. And I think it's uh, very important for the process, the idea of the Temple Mount Halabite. I want to, re- real quick, before we sign off, you know, just for the sake of uh, intellectual honesty, you know, one of, one of our um, viewers brings up an interesting point. He goes, Jews aren't one single ethnicity, though. That's, you know, to counter the eth- ethnostate claim. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's legit. It, it's kind of confusing when it comes to Jews. We're not a single ethnicity, but Jews are like a meta-ethnicity. So we're different sub-ethnicities that make up the Jewish people. Because mm-hmm. um, m- most Jews would agree Judaism is not a religion. It's it's a people. So the question is, you know, is can you call it an ethnostate? It seems to, like we're getting more into like a semantic argument. I, I think I think the, the more important question is, what does it mean to be an ethnostate? Like regardless if you want to call it that or something else, like what does it mean? Is it immoral? Why why it's immoral? What it means for other ethnicities? Like, but we we often like to get caught up in like words and definitions, but. You know, we should get down to like the practical, like fundamental. What does that actually mean for the people living on the land? So that's kind of how I like like to look at it. It's an interesting topic. Uh, if somebody wants to bring this back up in the lounge on Discord, by all means. And I want to give a big shout out to Jesse, our intern, who's just been doing awesome work lately. We couldn't be doing what we're doing without out him. And we actually have a few more interns joining us very soon. So the team is growing. If anybody's watching this and wants to intern for the great debate, uh, we'd, lo- we'd love to have you just reach out to me. You can find my contact information in the description, as well as the contact information of John and Enon. If you want to reach out to them, they're always happy to engage. Very interesting people. Reach out to them. When it comes to Discord, you click the link, the Discord link, and maybe, Jess, if you could toss that in the chat one last time. Click this, click the Discord link. You're, you enter our community, also known as a server You'll see on the left-hand side, it says lounge. You'll see many tabs. Those are the different categories for the different topics we discussed. But you'll see lounge. If you click on lounge, you'll be connected via voice, kind of like a Zoom-like function. Um, You don't need to speak. You could be muted, but it's a way to hear the conversation going. Above lounge, you'll see it says lounge text. If you want to write something, ask a question and not speak, you'll write that in lounge text. If you want to talk, 
it's in the lounge itself. But to hear the conversation, you must click lounge. And that's it. Um, uh, you know, a big shout out to, to our audience as well, because more, more than anything, without, without our viewers, without our supporters, we, you know, we wouldn't be doing what, what we're doing. And what, we, what we're doing wouldn't even matter without, without the supporters. So uh, a big shout out to you all with love. Until next time, friends. Once wanna, a, go, once go for it. Final words, fine. Big, big shout out to you, Adal, because I know how much it's taking from your time and energy and efforts you put in this. And yeah, thank you very much. And I think that you put the, the, the Israeli-Palestinian you know, discussion on, on public discussion, which is something that uh, I really support you and salute you, bringing people from the right and the left. And great job, man. Thank you, Enon Afshali and Brother John. Thank you both. It was uh, it was a great pleasure.